My text today is uh, from the 29th chapter of Jeremiah, and we're going to focus primarily upon the 11th verse, but, but if you're able to stand, could you just stand while I read a few verses of this scripture? For thus says the Lord, after 70 years are completed in Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you and cause you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and pray to me, and I will listen, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back from captivity I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I've driven you, says the Lord, and I will bring you to the place from which I caused you to be carried away captive. Thank you, Lord, for this word and for the encouragement it is to all who love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Next week begins Advent, and we will begin to mark the days of remembrance before Christmas. And I was reflecting for a couple of weeks on how to set the stage for that. And what Advent really is about is hope. And so the Lord led me to this text, and I think it is really for all of us, and many of us I think it will be especially relevant uh, for the things that we are going through in our life. To set the context of these verses, (coughs) if you read the verses beforehand and those that follow, they are verses of harsh judgment. Now this portion of Jeremiah was written after the first exiling of the people of Judea. There was, before the major fall of Jerusalem, there, the Babylonians had captured large areas surrounding Jerusalem, and they had carried these uh, Israelites away. And many of those Israelites were not sincere in their faith, but there was clearly a group that was. You know, that's the thing about God. God always preserves his remnant among his people, even when the rest of them fall away. And uh, that should be comforting to all true Christians today as we see a, a great falling away in many places. But, but Jeremiah was living in Jerusalem. He was not carried away in this exile. In fact, we believe that Jeremiah was killed before uh, he was carried away uh, during that second great removal. So the, he's writing to the, to the Israelites down in Babylon Babylon had settled down the Israelite communities as communities. And incidentally, I'll add a quick historic footnote uh, to answer any confusion about the lost tribes. Those tribes that are lost were all taken away by the Assyrians. That was in an earlier uh, captivity. All the tribes in the north, where most of them lived, were carried away except for two. And... um, and uh, the Assyrians dealt with their captives different. Uh, they would divide families. 
uh, Gail and Eddie, they would split you up. They would put Eddie maybe in a village hundreds of miles away <coughs> and you in another. And the same with children separated. And of course what that meant was that they, in a few years, f uh, ceased to exist as a people. They were intermarried with the Assyrians and disappeared. Now, uh, uh, don't tell the Mormons that because they think the Indians are those lost tribes, but, but that's not the case. Historically, we know better. And, but, but the Babylonians were different. They settled them down in communities. Uh, uh, they would have settled uh, uh, Laurie and Mike down wherever they needed an expert electrical salesman if they had those in those days. They settled them down as whole families. This, in other words, Lakeview would have all been settled somewhere together, and uh, so they were preserved. Now, among those that were carried away, we know there were many who were unfaithful. This earlier passages in Jer Jeremiah, these ver verses prior to this, tell us the story of, of, of them calling out for prophets and receiving prophets as this false prophet in Jerusalem had sent to them. And they believed in him. But Jeremiah said, you know, because you have not believed in the true and living God, you've not believed in real prophets, you're going to suffer and you're going to suffer, and you're going to suffer till you change your mind. That's the way God works with those people he chooses to save. If, uh, if God has chosen to save a person, he'll do whatever's necessary to get that person to break. Happened with me. Happened with me. But, but they're settled down here. But there were those faithful ones who continued to look back to Jeremiah because they knew that he had told them the truth, you know, before this first exile, the, the false prophets of the king went out and said, Don't worry, everything's going to be fine. This stuff Jeremiah saying about punishment and captivity, that's a lot of baloney. Don't pay any attention to him. False prophets. But they knew better <laughs> because it wasn't all right, at least for them. And can, but those that remained in Jerusalem, that little remnant of uh, of. Uh, of of loyalists to the king and the false prophets, they continued to make false prophecies, and they sent false prophets out. But Jeremiah said, that is not going to work out in your life. You're going to suffer. And you know, one thing you notice, many of these people that were carried away were good, God-loving people. Uh, there's a point there, you know, that when God judges a nation, the righteous suffer with the unrighteous, even though the unrighteous caused it. But, but, but there was this people that was focused on, on God's real word. And Jeremiah wrote him this letter. He said, now settle down. Build houses. Have families. But God is not through with you. God's plan for you is not permanent suffering. God's plan for you is not permanent exile from Jerusalem. God knows his plan for you, and it is for the good, in spite of all the difficulties that have happened and all the suffering you're going through. God's plan for you is good. And, of course, if you know Jewish history, you know that, that in 70 years, the uh, through the influence of great godly men that even impressed the Babylonian rulers, people like uh, Zerubbabel, who restarted the rebuilding of the temple, was first to be let go back, and then Ezra, who started back and took some of the 
exiles with him, and finally Nehemiah, who took a great host and rebuilt the walls to make Jerusalem a real city again. And uh, I got kind of tickled at Governor Kasich's of Ohio said that the Bible's never about building walls. Uh, he hadn't read the Bible, evidently. <laughs> a lot of people talk, tell us all, thing, all kinds of things about God that don't come from the Bible. You know what that makes them? False prophets. That's what it makes them. I hope his brother's listening to the broadcast today and writes him, tell him I said it, maybe repent. But the thing is that that they they came they came out and were brought back. God kept his promise. Seventy years exactly when this process started. And doubtlessly they remembered the words of Jeremiah. You know, the king was dead and all the old leaders were gone and enslaved and but it, even though it's terrible as things, luckily they didn't have a place to go back to. God had already made a plan to bring them back, you see. Sometimes people get in despair. Sometimes people aren't sure what God's attitude is toward them. I remember back when I was in graduate school, and uh, I took an MA in philosophy. Most people find that boring. I find it quite uh, entertaining and, and educational. But... I remember we were studying uh, Socrates, and Socrates in the Phaedrus, that's one of his dialogues where he, uh, actually Plato's writing, deals with religion, and he asked us, they were, Socrates and his friends were out traveling over the Greek countryside, and, and they asked this old Greek farmer, one of them says, uh, do you know there are gods? You know, they were polytheists, and this whole farmer says, oh yeah, I know there are, I absolutely know there are. And, and Socrates asked him, so how, how do you know they are? And he says, because they all hate me. <laughs> and I think a lot of people maybe don't, you know, form opinions of, of, of God and, and who he is by just looking at the circumstances around them. And that's, that's not the best way to do, friends. You've got to look beyond the circumstances. Right now, I know in this congregation, people who are dealing with grave illnesses. That's got to be heavy on your heart. My heart's heavy for them. Not knowing the outcome. I know we've got families in our church that are dealing with hard financial situations right now. I know we've got families that are dealing with family issues right now. I know that people have all kinds of concerns over their heart and they may want to fall down into despair they may want to, to worry, worry, worry. And that's understandable, isn't it? If you're never concerned about anything, that means you don't care much about anything. <laughs> but I've got a word from the Bible today to you people especially. You see, you're God's chosen people. Even more so than the Jews. The Jews are still his church, but even more so than they. Because you have believed in the name of God's only begotten Son. That means that you are a select people. You are the sheep of his pasture. Think about that. We're not just any old goat. I may look like an old goat, but I'm not an old goat in the Lord's eyes. We are his sheep, and 
And that means that he has us in his care. He's seeing, we'll see that we have what we need. He will see that we have food and water. But above all, we are under his loving care and under his protection. You know, believers and unbelievers alike have troubles in this world that are common to all people. I've talked to you about my father, that Darrell Scott. He, he was, I, was, I was complaining about my troubles one time and how hard things were for me. And he looked at me straight out and he said, Gerald, you are suffering nothing that is not common to all men. Buckle up, buttercup. <laughs> and, you know, a lot of people need to hear that word today. I mean, you know, people have nervous breakdowns over elections or, or somebody showing up that you don't want to hear and you have an emotional crisis and need, need goats to pet and stuff like that. Buckle up, buttercup. That's life, you know. But we have a consolation that the world does not have. I can say this with absolute certainty. Now listen to me. I want you to hear this because you're going to go through things. I go through them too. I, I want you to hear this and I can say this with absolute certainty for every one of you who believes in the Lord Jesus Christ. I know God's plan. It is to prosper you and not curse you. You are in the hands of a loving God. Those family problems, God knows about them. Those financial problems, God knows about them. Those health problems, God knows about them. You see, like the, like the ancient Jews sitting down in captivity facing all those difficulties, Jeremiah, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, spoke to them God's infallible word of comfort. I know my plans for you. Don't give up heart. Don't be overwhelmed. I know my plans for you. And that it is to prosper you. Now, I'm not telling you that God is going to let you win the lottery. In fact, you may think you need more money, but spiritually, that's the last thing you need. That's sometimes true, you know. Very hard for a rich person to completely trust in God. But, but, uh, but he will prosper you through his presence. And the outcome of your destiny is assured. And so I want to give that word to you today. God loves you. God knows what you're dealing with. God is in you as you deal with it. And that God will, maybe not in the way you anticipate, but you will at the end absolutely be able to say, God sustained me and prospered, worked me through it. And I could go into a number of personal examples where I I was heavily of heart and worried and frustrated and disappointed and anxious about the future. And the devil had the way of doing that to distract me from reaffirming my hope in God. There will never be a place that you will stand if you have accepted Christ. 
there will never be a place where you will stand that he is not holding you. Even when we draw our last breath. Because our last breath on this earth will be our first breath in the kingdom of God. The God we worship and serve is absolutely the only truly faithful one in the world. I fail my children. Do you ever fail yours? Have you ever failed your children? I fail my wife. Do you ever fail your wife? Wives, you fail your husband sometimes, don't you? I fail my church. I fail you all sometimes. But this we can be assured of, God will never fail us. God will never fail us. You know, I, I, I uh, keep telling you, I grew up a hillbilly. I am a hillbilly. I'm not ashamed of it. I told those Yankees I in that church I had up in Ohio, they were always calling me a hillbilly. I said, well, let me tell you something, folks. I'd rather be a hillbilly than a plain old billy like you. And across the roads, we used to see these signs put up. I understand one man was responsible for most of them. You see them all across Tennessee and North Alabama and North Georgia. Nailed to a tree back before you had interstates. Jesus never fails. And in a way... That's what I'm wanting to communicate you to you today as believers and for you to receive in your hearts the confidence that God's intention towards you is nothing but good. You may go through trials, some of those trials you don't deserve, some of those trials you do deserve. In all of those trials, he's teaching you to trust him. You know, it's easy to trust God when things are going easy, but when they're going hard, it's sometimes a, a trial, isn't it? But, but through each of those trials and testings as you trust in him, uh, you know, and I've lived long enough to know that I've walked through a lot of those trials. And, I, you know, you don't understand God's predestination by reading forward. You understand it by reading backwards. I've walked through those trials, and I look back, and at every point I thought things were hopeless. God was faithful. Yes. And let me tell you what that does. When you realize that you don't face the future with terror, you face it with hope. Because I know the God that delivered me then shall deliver me against whatever else happens in my life. Whether I bring it on myself or whether outside forces bring it upon me. God will be faithful. Hallelujah. And today I want you to go home from this place. Knowing you're not like the old Greek farmer. The gods don't hate you, gods, and no other gods really, but I want you to go home to know that because of God's goodness toward you in all things and above all in revealing to you the message of salvation that is in Jesus Christ, you know it, you've heard it, you believe it. God's intention towards you is to bless you and to prosper your life. Now, nobody else in the world can say that except believers. 
But we can say it, praise God. We can hear that word of hope, even as those faithful Jews in Babylon heard from the true prophet of God what was going to happen to those that turned against God, but what would be the case of those who were faithful. Oh, I cannot help but go back to my favorite chapter in the Bible. Why should you have hope? Because of Jesus. For in Romans 8, we are touched with the great love with which God has loved us. Where he says, nothing, neither height nor depth, principalities nor powers, anything in creation or anything else shall separate you from the love of God, which is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. That is God's plan to prosper you. The gift and hope of Christmas comes through the cross. And that cross tells you that God has loved you with all his heart, even to the point that he sent his only son, his precious son. I was with my sons this week. They're both precious to me. So that great picture of Ray with that little boy playing in the floor. Both of them were grinning like possums. But you know how much you love those babies. We all know that. But to think that God loves us more than he loved his own son in that he gave his son for us. How can you doubt in light of that that God's abiding care will always rest upon you. Amen.